know Your ass better call somebody Hey, hey, what do you say? It's time. It's time. Ball junk episode 19. And we are legal to drink in Canada now, which is fabulous. And it works well with this New Year's ball junk drop edition of the podcast. Our balls are dropping. I'm the gas man. With me, as always, is Frankie Knuckles. Knucks, how's it going? Happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's, whichever day you're listening to this. I'm assuming it's New Year's Eve. You listen to it immediately. Well, yes. As soon as the show drops, you're going to want to put it on and you celebrate. You stopped your plans. Yes. You're not watching college playoff games. Or maybe you are, and you're listening at the same time. I'm sure you are. You're waiting for midnight for the end of the show, and then you can finally kiss your loved one and drink some champagne. To celebrate another year of ball junk episodes and then welcome in 2016. It's, it's crazy. It's the perfect way to ring in the new year. It certainly is. I mean, what else would you rather be doing? <laughs> like going out to a bar and having fun? No. Where would you rather be than right here? That's right. Right now. Sitting at home alone in your basement <laughs> listening to us talk about sports. And whatever else we decide to talk about. A lot of other stuff, I'm guessing. I'm sure. Hey, how was your Christmas? Uh, very, very busy. Yes. I have was entertaining family for most of it. Like like juggling and... No, well, not specifically, tricks? but oh, okay. they were... Well, there was obviously Christmas Eve, Christmas, and then I had family staying with me for three days after that. So I was showing them the falls, doing... Wow. Went to a Bills game. Wow. Uh, my cousin's husband is a Cowboys fan, so he came down for Bills Cowboys, so we went to that. And uh, my other cousin went, and it was his first Bills game, so trying to equate the, uh, um, introduce them to the the Bills experience. Oh, I see. So I was driving. Had they ever been to no. Southern Ontario and Western New York before? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Not for bills though. Not for bills. So. For other. Yeah. It was a lot of fun and, That's the bill, good. and the bills won. So, and they won. That's like a Christmas treat for you. Yeah. You probably want them to lose at this point, but, uh, at least the last game will be interesting playing for 500, you know, ruining the jet season. That can be fun. I would, I would love to be playing for 500. Yeah. But it's not going to happen. No, but we'll talk about that and yep. uh, uh, later on when we uh, discuss some uh, NFL stuff. Uh, my Christmas was pretty quick. I mean, I worked up until I worked Christmas Eve. Did you work Boxing Day. I worked Boxing. How day. was that? Um, Yours busier, isn't too bad, right? No, it's it's not usually, but I think because of the way the dollar is, um, I think Boxing Day became kind of a bigger deal because mm. once once Canada started doing. The Black Friday and Cyber Monday stuff, it kind of sure. really took away from the whole Boxing Day. It's madness. way less exciting now. Yeah, so it wasn't um, it wasn't insanely crazy, but it was busier than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I pretty much left right when we opened anyway. I just went in early. Make sure everything set up. Did the setup. Stuff, so. And then went home and then uh, had the, uh, that would have been, then I had the Sunday off and then I worked Monday and then I've been. Now I'm off until next Monday. Cool. Getting some uh, much-needed rest. You know, doing more than one store is 
little stressful. Sure. So I'm 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 excited about the rest and being able to watch some sports. Uh, did you get Did you watch much of uh, uh, NBA Christmas Day? I watched the Pelicans game, which was at noon. Yeah, and that was pretty much it. I was with family most of the day, and then movies and yeah. I watched about a quarter of every one of the games. Yeah. Um. So I got to see a little bit. You went to you went to the movies on Christmas Day. I did. Oh, to see the big short. Oh, to see right. So I haven't seen you since we did the big Star Wars mm-hmm. podcast. Um, overall, I think that was very successful. Absolutely. Yeah. The comments are a flying on the page. There's lots of comments, mostly positive, some negative. Um, mostly because it seemed that we focused on what we didn't like, even though most people on the show gave it a positive rating. Yeah, I, well, I, I think it comes down to. I think I said it on the show. The thing that you, the, there's four characters that make up the majority of the movie. Right. Ray, BB 8, mm-hmm. Han Solo, mm-hmm. Chewbacca, and maybe Kylo Ren is the equal. Not to Finn? One of I don't think Finn's in it that much, okay. honestly. But that's the, that's the heart of the movie to me. And all of those characters were amazing. Right. And the visuals were fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the movie. Right. So all the other stuff is little things. Some I liked, some I didn't. And it's more fun to talk about stuff you didn't like. Well, that's true. The stuff you it? like is always I've said this, it's always the same stuff. Oh, it looks good. The story the story's good. You don't have to even the story wasn't that good. We talked about right. <laughs> but yes. but it was very entertaining and very well done and I under there are problems with it, but it's just a lot easier to identify things that you didn't like. I totally specifically. agree. Yes, just because, I mean, there's only so much you can say about liking the the music and and the main characters. You know, we liked them because, you know, the performances were good and, uh, you know, the, the stories, uh, although somewhat basic, were easy to follow and well thought out and then the interaction with the characters and we liked the humor. But other than that, you know, how much can you say about I liked the humor in the movie. Yeah. I didn't. Right. <laughs> well, it wasn't horrible. Right. But so, I mean, but if that's one of your positive things, it's yeah. it's hard to really expand I on like that. I like this joke. I like this joke. I like this joke. It's the Frank comedy ratings. Here. Right. Do you want us to do that with every joke? I don't think so. I don't think people I do, want you to do that But I don't all. think people want to. No. People don't want to do that at all. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, I enjoyed uh, being on the show, and it was good to it's have fun. that that group and... Um, people still think I don't like Jerry. I do like Jerry. He's a he's a funny guy. <laughs> I thought it was a uh, really fun having everyone on and sure a, a movie that definitely warranted that huge group discussion. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was great. Yes, and um, no, I'm not going to be back on the show every week. People were asking about that. I don't need to be on the show every week. You know, the show is good. Just uh, let us know when there's stuff you're interested in. I am going to submit a top 10 when you guys post your best of. Cool. So I'm thinking I might do a top 10 TV shows of 2015 as well. Just to throw that on there. Cool. I anticipate it. It's all going to be British soap operas. Do you have a clear number one? Of British soap operas, Coronation no. Street by far. No, of of twenty fifteen. 
Don't don't spoil it. Uh, I think I do, but I haven't seen everything yet. Okay. I still need to see a, a couple of things. Did you watch Real Rob yet? The Rob Schneider. The Rob Schneider, no. Well, no. you're going to have to check that one out first. You've got a lot of watching to do the next few days. Well, I mean, I I don't know how much television I'm going to try to binge in there. I mean, I'm only really focusing on um, just, you know, five or ten shows that I really liked this year. So Okay, I'll look for Real Rob in the I didn't get to see it section right. of the list. I'll watch one episode and throw it in the honorable mentions. Okay, all right. Are you a fan of... I haven't watched it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a big show. Yep. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to start off with our uh, our main review, which is Concussion. Yes. Starring Will Smith. Albert Brooks. Uh, who else? Alec is Baldwin. Movie? Alec Baldwin is in this. Uh, Luke Wilson. Barely. Barely. Playing Roger Goodell. Yeah. So this is a story about uh, uh, this doctor who uh, was the first to kind of discover uh, the link between some of these uh, dead pro athletes and, and the ways they died and the age that they died with concussions and head trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when the, the information was passed out to the public and to the news, it... Uh, um, it was met with a lot of negativity from people involved in those particular sports. Now, this movie focused solely on the NFL. I mean, there was, in the actual story, there was a lot of involvement with the boxing community and with the uh, pro wrestling community assume, as well. Yes. But they just focused uh, solely on uh, the NFL aspect, which I was fine with. I mean, I was more, going into this movie, I was more familiar with um, the pro wrestling side. I mean, this this whole thing led to something called the Sports Legacy Institute, uh, which uh, focuses on uh, athletes and and head trauma and and finding out, you know, exactly um, ways that they can, uh, you know, prevent a lot of these things from happening. And this basically was created and started by a, a former pro wrestler by the name of Chris Nowitzki, um, who had to retire due to uh, repeated concussions and. And, you know, he was the one that, uh, you know, got all the information from um, that pro wrestler, Chris Benoit, who committed suicide after mm-hmm. killing his family, which was a big story. And uh, he was actually the one um, that went to a lot of the families of the NFL players to ask if they could look at his brain. And though they kind of gave that stuff to one of the other characters in the movie, which was fine, because, I mean, if you want to focus solely on the NFL aspect and completely eliminate the other stuff it doesn't make it bad it's just it's probably easier to follow if you only have people involved with just the one sport and kind of getting that message out there but uh what did you think of the movie i hated the movie oh you hated it (laughs) i really did uh i've seen a lot of comparisons to the insider which i think are pretty apt but i would say the script to this movie is really, really bad. Right. I think I think Will Smith is very good in it. Uh, I think so, too. Uh, I do have real... It, it's weird. This idea of getting the story right and David Morse's character, Will Smith, Albert Brooks, going to the lengths they went with costuming and making them look like the real players. Right. 
it, like it almost seems laughable. It, like it seems goofy, right? To me, uh, there was some interesting makeup, especially when I'm aware of who the, the. I would say most people who watch this movie, the one person they would know or would be familiar with, and what they look like is Roger Goodell, which they did nothing, which they do nothing to. So yeah. then you see those two contrasting sides of things, and it makes me laugh even more. At the the costuming for the other. That people. was the one thing that I kind of noticed because um, some of the makeup applied to Albert Books and to David Morris was strange and, and totally unnecessary. Yeah. It does not help tell the story, other than have uh, you know, this movie feels like a crusade. Like right. like everything about it, the script, the performances. Uh, Michael Malley at the beginning, who's the the evil. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't even know what his role is. Well, he's a doctor yeah. at yeah. the hospital. and I mean, everyone who is against him is characterized as this villain, and the script reads like a statistics readout for the most part, aside from the story elements, which are him meeting his his wife and the house and these weird uh, cons- small scenes with conspiracy and fear, yeah. which are so small, I don't even know why they're there. Very like, strange. Uh and when you compare it to the insider, it is an insider doing it, which is way more interesting. Like they work there. He's an external observer. Right. Uh, and there's a relationship in the insider, which is more interesting as well, which is him with a reporter. And there's an added layer of, you know, is a reporter looking out for your best interests or theirs? Uh, how does it affect your family? Uh, it's it's a totally different dynamic because of the layers in something like The Insider. This is clearly more of a crusade movie, and it, it plays as such. And it ultimately, I would rather see just a documentary or more medical information on what's going on here. That The story behind the information is not that interesting. And you don't really learn. I thought it might change, get a bit better. When all of a sudden they allude to the fact that the NFL has known all this stuff. Right. They do allude to that. but And it's like, oh, it's a conspiracy. Yes. And this is that's what how I thought the rest of the movie was going to play out. But it's really just that scene. It's yes. more about him being on this journey. And I, I, I don't have any problem with Will Smith in the movie. I think he does I, the, the I, that best. Was, that was the one thing I was really worried about. Yeah. I was, I was concerned about his Nigerian accent. But he was pretty good. Yeah. And in the previews, I was kind of chuckling a bit with the I tell the truth, tell the truth and yeah uh but i mean it, it's it's fine in the movie uh I, I had no problems after a few minutes i was engaged with that character and thought okay this i'm i'm in with that part of the right. movie if if it's good uh but it, it really wasn't i i don't know i i thought some of the i can, i had a few examples i can't remember that they were laughable some of the the screenplay elements and right it felt very amateurish in its writing. I would say it's the biggest takeaway I had from this movie. And I just wish, I wish it would have gone into the science more. Like it's focused on his, his, I guess at the time girlfriend being followed, like yeah, that cut, was, cutting that, was, that with some other weird stuff like, in that. Yeah. If you really want to get this message across, uh, focus on the science. It it can be interesting. You've seen, we've seen stuff like Moneyball. the uh, the social network present these things in interesting ways and pr- more procedural elements to what's going on here and how he found this stuff out. And 
maybe it's just not there and they have to beef up, beef up the other elements of the story. And at that point I'd say, then it shouldn't be a movie <laughs> or a documentary would probably be a better version I, uh, I think, of this movie. Uh, I mean, I didn't dislike it as much as you did. I mean, I, I thought the performances were all good. I didn't have any issues with that. Um, I think the the biggest surprise that I had was the fact that the NFL allowed them to use actual footage, which was surprising because the movie is kind of going after the NFL for their lack of ex- accepting um, information regarding concussions and how it can affect people. Um, but then it really didn't go after the NFL as deep as it could. I mean, like even even you know there was a, was a, a lawsuit that was this was part of the movie, but there was a lawsuit against former players against the NFL for you know not better helping them and, and making them better prepared for the impacts because you know they felt that the NFL knew that these concussions were a problem and they knew and they weren't doing anything about it. Um, but in you find out at the end of the movie that uh, um, and this is common knowledge if you follow football and all that and the nfl settled but part of that settlement was that they just didn't have to talk about how much they knew and at what point they knew that concussions in the game were a problem so they really didn't you know there really was no resolution to this whole thing because the i mean the movie was going after the nfl and going and you know trying to get them to you know admit that they they knew this and hid it and covered it up and that was the whole conspiracy but then yeah uh, to me the it, only thing the only purpose of the movie uh can be awareness right and i feel like maybe I, i'm not the target audience because following sports you're obviously aware of these things yes. and you've been hearing about them for six years so i in my mind i would expect that most of the population would be aware of this already right. and Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, but that feels like who the movie is is made for. If you know the effects of concussion in professional sports, then there's really not a whole lot here that's interesting or fun. There was one scene, and this is a little more comparable to The Insider, where Alec Baldwin is talking about like he's turning on people and how people are going to be thinking about him doing this stuff and why he's there. And there's a few compelling moments with his character but it's it's a very small portion of the movie and i didn't get the same sense of conviction and loss and a, what a person would go through that i did with the insider right <laughs> with russell crowe's character he plays jeffrey wygand what he suffers as a result to to do that feels much more intense than this movie and I don't know. It just—it's a more interesting movie. It's—it's it's an important story. It's important information, but I don't think it's a movie. Not yet. It isn't. I think there's information that uh, that people don't know and, and probably will never know in regards to you know what or what the or what the NFL knew or what they didn't know. And I think as long as that information isn't really out there, then it's hard to have an actual exciting conclusion to this story and even concussion stuff. I've been thinking about it a bit and I I still, it feels weird to me that you wouldn't think that maybe it's just, it's just hindsight for me, but you wouldn't think that smashing your head really hard against something couldn't have bad (laughs) implications. 
Like if a child fell and hit their head on the ground before the, uh, any of the concussion stuff in the NFL, you would have a very bad reaction to that. Like that, that is not a natural occurrence. And I, I, I would assume people would have always thought this probably isn't good. Like you wouldn't go and bang your head against things and do stuff like that on purpose. And maybe I, maybe this is all hindsight on my part. Maybe that wasn't the case, but it just, I feel like a lot of players have suspicions that it's probably not good, but whether it's, it's the only hand they've been dealt and that's what they have to do. I mean, that might even be a more interesting movie, like dealing with, yes, I'm aware of how bad this can be, but what are my other options? And this is all I know how to do. And I I don't know. It just, the focus seemed wrong. It felt very, very self-righteous. And again, I'll say it again. Overall, the script is horrible. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's really the main thing. Like the like the story is is interesting to a point, but there's a lot of extra fluff that they throw in there to make the movie or try to make the movie more intense. Um, and a lot of the stuff, you know, like the whole thing with uh, the girlfriend being followed or whatever. I mean, there was there's no resolution. Like it, you don't know if she was just imagining it or you know, it just why is this even there? And it's just to get to that. And the movie reads, spoiler, that to me that that leads to the next scene is something very traumatic, right? And it like it plays out as causation almost, absolutely, in this movie that it was the stress and all these things that caused stuff like that, brought on by herself. Yeah, and it, it just it, it it all adds up to this really gross mix to me. Right. And oh shit, I lost it. Okay. But I, I either way, it's uh, it's okay if you know nothing about concussions or the story of this. There's I didn't know about the <clears throat> Doctor Bennett. Is it Amal, Amalu? Amahu. Amahu, and how this got discovered and which players led to it. So I guess that's relatively interesting. But I mean, I would rather have read an article than spend two hours watching this movie. Yes. Um. I think the, uh, I mean, probably the most uh, popular football player that's uh, involved in this whole issue with concussions was Junior Seau, and they didn't really touch on him until the very end of the movie, right before the the credits Mm -hmm. rolled. And uh, um, for those that know about Junior Seau, he was a pro football player, he was a an all-star he played in pro bowls and, you know, he played for the chargers and he played for the dolphins. And after he retired, he shot himself, but he deliberately shot himself in the chest, uh, just so, because he knew that somebody needed to look at what was going on inside his head. And that was kind of, kind of key thing that, and that's not the only time that an NFL player has, um, well, the, the guy in the movie does the same he, he thing. He did right? the movie too, yes, and uh, so that's kind of a, a big deal. So I, I give them, I'll give the movie credit for good performances and for um, the idea of getting this information out to everybody and not just people who are fans of the NFL, but uh, the way they got the information out and 
they didn't get enough information out and uh and the rest of the movie as a whole wasn't really very good and i remembered what i was thinking about before it was one was last year unbroken came out around christmas too right and it suffered from the exact same things now there's a scene in that movie where a shark comes out of the water when he's at sea and it's basically for the audience it's adding excitement to the movie and it just seems completely ridiculous now people might say oh that actually happened that's part of the story and i'm sure some of the things that are drama dramatized in this film might have happened too but in the context of the film it plays out as ridiculous whether it's true or not and again it's another one of those in a documentary it would be really interesting but when you're looking at everything in the movie and asking did that happen did that really happen what's real what isn't it just distracts from the movie completely and uh, i i just i i think this movie is getting fairly generally positive, positive reviews. reviews yes I, I i don't see it well thanks for ruining the shark moment and i'm broken spoiler <laughs> Uh, it's been a year since I'm broken. Oh, right. Okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, so what do you uh, give a concussion out of uh, two balls? I'll give it a half a ball. Yeah, I'm going to give it half a ball as well, just uh, based on the uh, the performances of the actors. I wish, uh, I wish I, it was better. Yeah, I wish I could <laughs> have that two hours back, yeah, essentially. That's unfortunate. Uh, so while we're in the topic of uh, football... Let's uh, talk about uh, the NFL playoff pitchers. We got uh, one week left in the NFL season. The majority of teams um, that are going into the playoffs are are set. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the issues still are seedings between the one and six. Um, all six teams in the uh, NFC are fully decided, and uh, it all depends on uh, on where they're going to rank. Uh, mostly has to do with who's first and second seed between Arizona and Carolina. Um, Carolina loses and Arizona wins, they get the top seed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then home field advantage all the way to the yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, the last few weeks haven't been that interesting at all. No, because, I mean, everybody has kind of known that Green Bay and Minnesota and Seattle and Arizona and Carolina and the NFC were going to make the playoffs. It all just really mattered on... And who was going to come out of uh, the NFC uh, South? No. Who am I thinking East. of? East. Thank you. Um, because all four teams are terrible in that division. Yes. Um, Cowboys had a lot of injury problems. Um, the uh, Giants, um, although a, a good team, if they you know they're, they had some they had a lot of injuries with their offensive line. And they blew a lot of games. I would say a lot of bad coaching. Yes, losses. Is uh, is he too old to be coaching? Still? I don't know because you don't. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if he told like, in the first game or whatever was second to tell Eli to throw it away or whatever. You right. do, don't take a sack. I think. However, that played out. I it don't know. What he, time. I don't know bad. what he communicated to players and where players failed to execute on that. So. It's it's tough to say, but I mean, whatever. I mean, they didn't manage the clock well when uh, they lost to the the Pats as yeah, well. Yeah, and there was another game where they could have yeah. kicked a field goal to make it a ten point game and went for it, and 
Yeah, they they, they they had some bad coaching decisions, and that uh, ended up with a lot of Just extra weird. losses. And Odell Beckham's be- becoming a bit of a prima donna. Yeah. He's getting on my nerves. It started at the Bills game. Every play, he was right. He slapped five guys in the head. Funny, he didn't get a. Uh, of course not. A fine against the Bills or yeah. anything like that. He was. They came out afterwards and said, "Oh yes, he should have been penalized for this stuff." And maybe he did get a fine. Either way, he's the worst. I already and, you know, the whole thing with Jason Pierre-Paul and blowing off his fingers and a fireworks accident uh, before the season started. I can't blame the coach for that one. Can't blame the coach <laughs> for that. Although I do love how he just has that massive cast on his hand. He just has this club, um, which might make it more difficult to tackle. Hmm. Uh, lots of players have played with casts and clubs before so i just i would really appreciate him using it like cowboy bob orton did in the 80s and just smashing someone over the face surprised uh, that hasn't happened yet with the and then uh players playing with casts the eagles you know i i, I guess it was a, a coaching problem but they and they had some bad personnel decisions well he was also the general manager yes. Chuck kelly right so and some of the trades that they made were Stuff to draw the line between general manager and coach in that scenario, and it's right. easy. You just point at the same person, and uh, and he got fired. Yeah. So, but then which led to the the really not very talented Washington Football Club to uh, win that division, uh, yep. and potentially could have a, a losing record. <laughs> oh, I think they're good. No, no, they, they're, they're they, nine they, and seven. Right? No, no, I think they're they're eight Sorry. and seven right now. Yeah, yeah. So they could have a 500 record yes. and, and make the playoffs, which is something the NFL should probably look at. I don't know. I mean, don't you really want the best teams to be in the playoffs? Yes, but it, there are anomalies, yes. But, I mean, look at the NBA. Mm-hmm. Last year, everyone's like, the West is amazing. The seeding isn't fair. Uh, the East is garbage. And look at it this year. They wanted all this restructuring last year, and now... It's pretty even. Well, yeah, I mean, they wanted the restructuring, which would have made the playoffs a little bit better last year. But you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't need to use that restructuring so far this year, as it looks like, which is fine. I mean, you don't really want to use that if you don't have to. You would prefer to have the best eight teams from the East uh, be better than teams nine and below on the West every year. You know, in those years that it doesn't happen. I have no issues with the NFL right now. Okay. I, I think it's perfect. Sure. I, I I will say this. I just want to remind listeners that when the Seattle Seahawks were 2-4, and four, mm-hmm. I said they will win the Super Bowl right. on the last show. Right. Now, it's not looking as good with Jimmy Graham out, although maybe better, but a lot of injuries, and now even Rawls is out. I don't. I, Lynch might come back. It doesn't look good, though. But I'm feeling pretty good about that pick right now. Right. Because I think that them in Arizona are clearly the favorites in the NFC. Right. But even even then, I could see either of them losing. No team is that good this year at all. I don't think Carolina's that good. No. Because Carol- Carolina squeaked by a lot of games. Exactly. Too. It's It could be a, an extremely interesting playoffs. I'm looking forward to it. In the, uh, and in the AFC... Um, five of the teams are decided. There's really only one wild card spot, which could happen. The Jets right now have it. If they lose and the Steelers win, then the Steelers get in. 
Um, but if not, then uh, the Jets are in. The one thing I find interesting in the AFC is that the playoffs started today and the Jets made it. Your six AFC playoff quarterbacks are Brock Osweiler, Brandon Whedon, uh, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, and Tom Brady. I think no. I think we missed AJ McCarron instead of. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Whedon, I think. right? No, yeah, because we Whedon, Whedon is, will be out. Hoyer's taking right. Over Reed Whedon's out right in Houston. That's right. And then Tom Brady and Tom Brady, <laughs> right? So that's uh, interesting for uh, your your playoff quarterback. Yeah, There's really, sure. I mean, I don't think Alex Smith is a bad quarterback. He's decent. I think he's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but everybody else is uh, a little suspect. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is is not great. Fitz Magic, he's got it this year. Um, but uh, some of those other guys, though, like uh, I mean, you know, even if uh, you know AJ can't uh, lead that team to a win, still got uh, Catherine Webb. Yep. You know? And uh, so that's okay for him. I but- uh, I I can't believe essentially how injuries have dictated the season yeah and, it's been pretty crazy i mean uh, and who's gonna benefit well I, I shouldn't say this because they've had a ton of injuries too but tom brady they've had <laughs> but yeah i mean that they they still have you know one of the best players in the league at you know at every game and another one gronkowski gronk yes although he did miss some time and edelman's missed some time and amandola's missed some time and they've had a lot of injuries on uh on the line as well um but when you still have Tom Brady, who can pretty much throw it to anybody that can catch, um, it's a definite advantage. Yeah, I, I think they will win. No, I, I, I unless unless Pittsburgh gets in, which I don't right. necessarily see happening. I just, I uh, they would I, uh, give them probably the the most I mean, the, trouble. The Jets have beaten them. Yeah, uh, last week um, in a hilarious game of like. What is happening? Like, um, for those of you that didn't see it, uh, the the Pats tied the game late and they went to overtime and they won the toss. And inexplicably, instead of wanting the ball, the captain accidentally said, "We'll kick it." Like I think he was trying to say, "We want the kick." Like we want to, we want the kick to come to us. I think that's what he was trying to say. But when you say that, you're telling the referee that you want to kick the I ball. I still have not fully seen what happened here. Did Belichick not say that they wanted to do that? I don't think so because when when uh, because the guy, the, the captain, I can't remember what his name was, when he was out on the field and he said, you know, we want the, the kick. And then the ref said, okay. He went to the Jets and said, which side do you want? And then uh, – and he said, "You're pointed back to the Pats and said you're 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 kicking." And then the guy was like, "No, no, no, no. We want, we want the kick. Like we want it to come to us." And and the ref pretty much just ignored it and said, "You're kicking." And he kind of turned. The player kind of turned and looked at the camera like I he saw. Was I saw that confused. And I, I I think he he effed up. I think he screwed up. Hmm. I think they're trying to make it so he doesn't look really really terrible in that situation. Uh, because that was a really poor decision, yeah. and then two plays later it was over. So <laughs> I, I was gone that day, so I didn't see a lot of this stuff. So it was a it was a bumble. 
a big old bumble. Yes, it was a it was a bad bad thing. So, um, do you think the Jets are going to win, or uh, do you think uh, they're going to? Because the Jets play the, the Bills, Bills, right in Buffalo. In Buffalo. So if if Pittsburgh loses, it doesn't really matter what happens with the Jets. Cor- correct. Right. So, and uh, who did the Steelers play? They play... Cleveland. Cleveland. In Cleveland. They'll probably win that game. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Unless Money Manziel gets in the game. I think Cleveland is slightly better than Baltimore. And Baltimore beat Pittsburgh. Baltimore beat Pittsburgh, yes. That's kind of scary. But that is a a deep-seated rivalry. But you could make the same argument for Pittsburgh-Cleveland. Maybe not quite the same level, but it's there. And uh, I, th- I think the Jets will beat Buffalo. So with Buffalo. with the uh, with all of these injuries, I mean, it is it has made a lot of the teams terrible, mm-hmm. and some of the teams mediocre, and a couple of the teams have been able to capitalize on it uh, because they've been fortunate to not have any injuries, or unless you're the Pats when you have a lot of injuries and you're still able to win. I mean, that kind of tells me that they're probably the best team. Well, Arizona, they were relative. Well, I, for the most of the season, relatively unscathed. Yes, and then now it's just kind of hit them hard with Chris Johnson and yes. uh, the Honey Badger, among others. And uh, it just seems like I can't think of a team that hasn't been affected. But we, everyone says it over here. You're going to have injuries. It's the teams well, that Carolina really hasn't been affected by injuries. They were at the beginning of the season. Right. Though. They lost their uh, their best receiver. Right, but is, uh, is anybody them. even scared of Carolina in the playoffs? I think people are definitely scared of their defense, right? For sure. Uh, I mean, Atlanta did beat them. Washington is the one team that had some injuries with Deshaun Jackson, but everyone is relatively healthy, and their defense has certainly been better than people expected it to right. be. So. Kirk Cousins has been hilarious. Oh yeah, amazing! <laughs> you like that? <laughs> You like that? So good. Yeah. It's uh it's gonna be an interesting playoffs. I guess I'm rooting for the Seahawks. So who is like I mean, you're rooting for the Seahawks, so who do you actually think is going to play in the Super Bowl? Seahawks Patriots. Patriots. That's who you really think it is gonna be the Seahawks. Or Seahawks Steelers, yes. Huh. Interesting. You I never think, know. I, I think it's gonna be New England and Arizona. Could be. Arizona's pretty good. Yeah. But Seattle gave them a run for their money. That was in Seattle, though. So, I mean, the. Arizona's very good at home, too. If they get the one seed, that's trouble. They destroyed Green Bay this week. Yes, they certainly did. The The thing with the Pats, though, and although they don't want to play the Steelers, um, the Steelers are going to have to win a game first to be able to play the Pats. And I'm not sure. I mean, I, I suppose they can, but... I, they, like, they're a team that always seems to play to the level of their competition. Right. No matter what. So if they're... They'd be going... Excuse me. They'd be going in against... Uh, so it looks like probably... Who's going to get that number two seed? Probably Denver. If they win, they'll get it ahead of uh, Cincinnati if they both win. Yeah, they won the head-to-head. Yeah, the, the Bengals play Baltimore... Uh, which is, they should be able to to beat them. The Broncos play the Chargers, so Broncos will probably they, yes. they're at home. So it looks like they'll have the the two seed in the first round by with the Pats, 
And so if the if the Steelers get in, they would play the Bengals? I don't think so. I think no. they would play... I, I'm not sure yet. I think someone was... Because Houston and Cincinnati have played each other in the playoffs but, two years in a row at least, maybe three. Right. I think I saw someone mentioning it. So could, then it would, could happen again. Then they would they would probably play the Chiefs. If Pittsburgh yes, that got sounds in. about right. Chiefs-Steelers would, would be a good game. That would be a good game. That would be a tough one for Pittsburgh to win, yeah. though. Because, I mean, like, yes, I mean, everybody kind of laughs at the Chiefs mostly because of the coach and, and some of the bizarre decisions I that he makes. I love Andy Reid. Oh, who doesn't love Andy Reid? <laughs> He's my favorite. Actually, I would in, – in the AFC, I would probably cheer for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I have no issues with any of those guys. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the Kansas City just had the Royals win. Do they really need uh, well, yeah, a could, football team to be good, too? I'd forgotten that. It could be a banner year for yeah, for that city. Kansas City. Everybody just be eating barbecue in the streets, just going nuts with that KC barbecue. Well, I hope they get it. Do you? Yes. If it can't be Seattle, I hope it's KC. Um. So how are how are you feeling about the the Bills season? Sounds. I feel like this team could implode permanently at any second. Seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of turmoil. problems yes. in the locker room. Yeah. Weird rumors coming out about everything. Mario Williams. Because they're right now they're seven and eight. Yes. So if if they lose, uh, so that's I mean they should have been better than a seven and nine team. The bright spot of the season has been Tyrod Taylor; he's been very good. He, when everyone's playing, all of his offensive weapons are playing. He has done very well. And, are you sure uh, he's good? Oh yes, I'm sure he's good. Okay. <laughs> uh he's a six-rated passer in the NFL. Okay. Uh he he. Uh, if anything, with a weak offensive line. He is. He never panics. And there's some plays where he's fumbled. Every time he's gotten the ball back, or you know, made a play that did not cost him a turnover, he's uh, he's overperformed in my opinion. And I really like him. I, I hope they they keep him or re-sign him. So the the main problems have been on the defense, especially in the media. That's what you know. People have been led to believe that Mario Williams wants to leave. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to play there anymore. He's upset. I mean. He probably should go. It's not looking good. Yes. I mean, it's probably best because, I mean. It took a while for my jersey curse to kick in. Right. Usually when I buy a player's jersey, they leave three months after that, which happened with uh, Stevie Johnson. Right. Fred Jackson. Right. I have, The other player I have is Mario Williams. Right. And it just took a little longer this time for the curse to kick in. Do you want to trade jerseys? Who do you have? I've got a, I've got a Dolphins uh, Dante Culpepper jersey. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> oh my, that was a bad decision. Was that a purchase or a gift? It was a purchase. Yeah, yeah. You thought he was the savior yeah. of the Dolphins? Well, I mean, it's they decided on him over Drew Brees, so I figured good he, call. Yeah, that was a great call. <laughs> I mean, it was an excellent decision. Uh, and Breeze wanted to play in Miami. Yeah, he wanted to come. Like that's like he was like you know I want to. This is where I want to play. And they're like I don't know this Dante guy. It's weird though. Stuff like that, like you're saying about Breeze wanting to play in Miami. 
you forget about stuff like that. Like in things that seem big at the time fade right. away over time. And we'll be talking about the four falls of Buffalo. Yes. I wasn't a huge Bills fan. And so there's so many things coming out of that that I didn't even know about or right. small things that happened that had huge right. effects on big games. Sure. And it's it's crazy. And you, uh, Anyway, sorry, I'll wait till we get to that. Yeah. But uh, there's so many little things that happen that have huge impacts that never get talked about again, except I think the hardcore fan bases remember right. those things. I mean, and, yeah, like, like the, that decision to bring in Culpepper instead of Drew Brees was a big deal because that, you know, that gave New Orleans that Super Bowl when, when they needed something in that mm-hmm. city, you know, just because it had just been decimated with all that shit, you know, with the, that bad weather they had. And, yeah. Uh, but, um, so, yeah, so the, the, the Dolphins have been on a... Why couldn't they have given them an NBA championship instead? Yeah. Then I would have been happy. I, you would have been very happy with that. But the Dolphins this year were, were, were really, really bad. Like, really bad. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they had... At least they got rid of Philbin. Yeah. If anything... He was a bad coach. They should have left him in London. Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe they left him there. They cuz I'm pretty sure they fired him before they left the the city of London, England. So mm-hmm. leaving him there would have been a good idea. You'll probably get a new coach in the off season. Probably so. get a new coach. There's a lot of people are talking about uh the uh I heard Sean Payton is the main one. Oh, really? From Miami, yeah. I heard um Mike Shula. Oh, yeah. Yes. The Shula name. Yes. Is is one that uh, they're interested in. Um, even uh, Chip Kelly's name has even come up recently too. I think, uh, you know, I think I'd like Sean Payton. I think, uh, he seems to have a good relationship with quarterbacks and I think Tannehill needs that. Um, because I mean, Tannehill's a, a, I mean, again, it's hard to judge him this year. I mean, he has great moments and he has kind of, he has peaks and valleys yeah. all over. Like like lots of quarterbacks do, um, I think if he had a pretty solid O line all the time, uh, he'd be able to figure things out quicker. Um, but they've had a bad O line for a while, or whether due to injuries or just not great players. And and he's the type of guy that he needs time because um, he's not as quick at seeing things as like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or a Drew Brees or something like that. He needs time to be able to see holes because he can run. He's a tremendous athlete. So when he needs to run, he can run and, and he can throw. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he just uh, he, he's not he's not fast enough right now at the NFL level, so they need to be, be able to figure out a way to give him some more time because right now he's shit. And the whole team is shit. <laughs> and just they're just Awful. I mean, there are games where they can't even score 15 points. Their retro uniforms for Monday Night Football were pretty good, though. Oh, yeah. And the retro field. You know. Um, At least you have that. They could put out the surviving members of the 72 Dolphins, and they probably could have had a 5-10 and 10 record like they do right now with those guys. I don't think so. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, they'd probably be 0-15. Yep. Um, but I think Don Shuler would be a better coach. He was on Ballers. Yeah. Maybe he's feeling spry these days. I don't know if he has a lot of too much involvement in his uh, line of steakhouse restaurants. Don Shula's Steakhouse. There's one in uh, Disney World. How is it? 
I haven't been in there. No. Just because it's not part of the, the Disney dining plan, gotcha. right? So and I don't really want to go to a steakhouse and shell out money when I've already paid for the rest of my mm-hmm. meals. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Dollars or cents. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Bad NFL season for me as a, as a Dolphins fan, but I, I've enjoyed watching a lot of the games, though. Yeah, very disappointing as a Bills fan as well, but what else is new? That uh, city has been disappointed a lot over the years. Tons. You might even say more than any other yes. professional football city has. Which uh, segues <laughs> well into our second review. Yes. Of uh, the one of the, it is the latest ESPN 30 for 30 documentary called Four Falls for Buffalo. Of Buffalo. Of yeah, Buffalo. Yeah. Four Falls of Buffalo. And uh, this is a documentary about um, the Buffalo Bills football team from the years 1991 through to 94. Is it 90 to 93? 90 to 93, 94. Right. Yes. That season. The 90-91 season to the 93-94 season. And uh, where they appeared in four straight Super Bowls only to lose them all. Um, Just to start off. I thought this documentary was fantastic. I really liked it as well. I thought it was was excellent. Um, they had really good access to a lot of the players from that team. Um, they got a lot of good insight and uh, to really, you know, because I grew up in this area and you grew up yeah. in this area, but you weren't a Bills fan. I've always hated the Bills, so, you know, I was happy with every Super Bowl they lost and you know, every Super Bowl they got to meant that they probably beat the Dolphins either in the playoffs or once or twice during the season, which was always irritating. Um, but uh, but back then, though, in the early 90s, I mean, uh, my options for watching football would be the local broadcast on, I think it was CBS at the time, yep. watching the Bills games cause, or you had the national game which was on one of the other channels. So you, th- those were only games you had an option to watch, whatever was nationally broadcast or that local game. So I got to watch a lot of Bill's games. you know. So I was very familiar with all those players from that era, whether it was Bruce Smith and Thurman Thomas and Cornelius Bennett and Daryl Talley and, and Andre Reed and James Lofton and, and Jim Kelly and, of course, you know, Coach Marv Levy and even guys like, like Don Beebe, Don Beebe, and Scott Norwood, and Steve Tasker, or Steve Christie, and like it was just like so many of these guys are familiar. So it was it was really interesting to to not only listen to what they had to say, but to also have that familiarity makes it a little more enjoyable because everything that they were talking about, I I still remember very clearly. But like you had talked about earlier, it's like there are some little things that happened in those big Super Bowl games. I mean. They were clearly one of the best teams in the NFL for a, quite a long period of time. Like they won more games in those f- early five years of the 1990s than any other NFL team. I mean, they dominated. They had like uh, ten or eleven wins at least in every season. They dominated the NFC in those those games as well. And it was just you know like they they should be winning these games, but in every one of those games. Something happened uh, um, to to kind of turn 
how that team was playing in that game and it was pretty crazy to see all these minute uh, details so let's let's start about the the first one that they lost um uh, which was from the 1991 season which was Super Bowl 25 which was 25 years ago yeah it's crazy against the giants against the giants which is the infamous wide right game yes. which Scott Norwood missed and so you know it's is there and the cool thing about this documentary is that you know they were they they talked to a lot of different players in in uh they like they talked to Jim Kelly a lot uh um just kind of in like a, a nice area of Buffalo I don't know if it was like a park or whatever and so they did a lot of his talking and stuff from there and they talked to Andre Reed at the in Canton Ohio at the Football Hall of Fame and and Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith were sitting together on a couch watching the games as they were talking about them. And Marv Levy was inexplicably at the the Buffalo Library. I don't <laughs> know why they talked to him there. And uh, so they, they had different locations for everybody, which I really liked. Um, and so watching that uh, that first game in, in uh, against the Giants, and everybody always remembers that that wide right kick, like the famous Scott Norwood kick. And there's a lot of things that they don't remember. Um, you know, one being that uh, it was a 47-yard kick outdoors on grass. And at the time, like 50% of those kicks were no good. So, uh, I mean, yes, it was shitty that he missed it. But half of the time, people missed that kick. So, I mean... Uh, not many people really talk about that. Um, all the players said, you know, like uh, it shouldn't even have come down to him needing to make that kick. There were lots of things that we screwed up that no one ever talks about as well. A lot of things that happened in that game that nobody talks about. And uh, one being, that was the Thurman Thomas helmet game. Was that in that one or was that against Washington? No, that's a different one. That yeah. was a different one. I think it's the first Dallas one. Right. Um so other than uh, uh, the the Scott Norwood kick, what are some of the things that you learned about that first game against uh, the Giants? See, for me, it's not that there wasn't a ton that I learned in that one. It was right. more <clears throat> with that one. I like the whole throughout the whole documentary the the idea of who Scott Norwood is and how he played into the history and when the movie focused on him, I thought it was very very strong. And it was, it I was emotional. I did not know about the like people calling for him at the parade after right the, which was a, a, a really cool thing it really was normally in situations like that fan bases will turn on that player yeah, but when they had that rally after they lost the super bowl and that they there's like you know thirty thousand bills fans in the, in the streets and they're all chanting we want scotty we want scotty you know and that was it was an emotional moment it was even i got goosebumps yeah i cried a little bit during this yeah. uh but i i thought they they focused on the right things in general in the movie. Like right. the, they focus on that, the Don Beebe play in the Super Bowl, which they lost anyway. Right. Uh we'll get to the next one, but the defensive coach saying yeah. <laughs> all these things that I, I didn't know about and I they would be completely different in today's social media society. I, I, I mean, the one thing that I got from this movie is, and uh, they made a point of saying it, and it was really accurate, but back then when, when they were losing all the Super Bowls and everybody was like, oh, not the Buffalo Bills again. You know, they're, boy, I love losing Super Bowls. That's what Bill stands for, and everybody was making fun of them. But now we're 
25 years down the road from that first win, from that first loss. And now everybody thinks, like, what an unbelievable accomplishment it was. Like, how great was this football team? I mean, nobody gets to four straight Super Bowls, whether you win or lose them. It just doesn't happen. You don't get to that many in a row. And, you know, eight people from that team are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. and That's, that's they, a big deal. And even there's so many sub stories that could be their own documentary essentially in this. Oh yeah. Like the Frank Wright game when he comes back against Houston and that on its own. I remember watching that story. game and just being so fucking pissed. <laughs> the goddamn Reich stuff, you know? Yeah. And it like, I, I just think the movie focuses on what it should and it yes. does it well. I mean, it's not perfect. I, I thought, Presenting some of the Jim Kelly struggles at the beginning of the movie seemed a little weird to me. Right. Uh, like, I thought it would have been better. Like, at struggles, the, uh, I mean, with, with health. With yeah, cancer, and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. So, uh, I thought it came out of the gates really hard, like, aggressively. Right. Uh, where some of that stuff might have been better towards the end of the movie. But maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I just... There was that... Just a story of a backup. How... You have to be right. ready and <laughs> having confidence when you're down 35, 35 to three. And, and that was leading up to the Dallas, the third, the first Dallas game. Yes. The I first think, time I they played so, yeah. Dallas. Yes. And just the idea of, you know, being professional, yeah. not blaming others, the, the idea of team and community. Yeah, they uh, that that's what the move the big themes in the movie are for sure. And how the, much they love the city of Buffalo and love the fans and and how you know they didn't blame each other. They blamed themselves as a collective for for not winning those games. And um, I just I found it interesting uh, uh, to to see the camaraderie with uh, with all those guys. Yeah. And, you know when they focus on the Don Beebe play, I mean, which is a very famous play where Leon led is running in for a, a touchdown. This was in the first time they played second, I second think. time they played Dallas in the Super Bowl, And, uh, it was late in the game and Dallas was ahead by quite a bit. And the game was essentially over and they recovered a fumble and they were running it in. But BB what looked like he ran the entire length of the field at top speed, just knocked that ball out of bounds at the goal line to prevent that extra touchdown. And they focused on, you know, like, like how much heart that took and, yeah. and, and, uh, and, uh, the desire to not be considered a, a loser and, and to put all that effort into a play and like finding out that, uh, like the team owner came into the dressing room and, uh, and, and all those letters that he got from like fans from other teams who said, you know, we watched that. I watched that with my little boy. And I said, you know, that's what a hero looks like. And like, that was a pretty emotional character on display, right? Uh, yeah, part of the movie as well. And, you know, showing him winning that Super Bowl with Green Bay and, and, you know, Brett Favre giving him the ball and him talking about how he wishes that all those other guys could have felt what he felt. And that was just a, like a nice part of the story on, on his little story arc and, in the movie. Yeah. Sorry. I think you're right. I think it might've been the first actually. Uh, cause they really, cause that was the one they the were they one, lost by yeah. like 40 points. Yeah. The, the fourth one, one is where the movie focuses on the build up to that. That's where the, the movie kind of switches towards the media's perception of the bills right. and making jokes and the SB stuff. And 
a young Skip Bayless who right. I didn't even know was around no, at that yeah, point in time. Oh, yeah, he was hilarious. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and then I think they kind of breeze over the game in the fourth one, essentially. It's building up more to, you know, how they were looked at and the stain on the franchise at that point. Which, was, uh, yeah, like, and like just, you know, which was, you know, kind of an unfortunate uh, thing, but... And the chip on their shoulder, right. essentially, of... Uh, we're back and, yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. And like, there was the one thing that they they focused on with Thurman Thomas, and it was, you know, and it was the second one against the the Redskins when, uh, um, the helmet. Yeah, yes. the helmet thing was in the Washington. Yes. one and uh, like he couldn't find his helmet to get into a play that was designed for him. So the backup running back had to go in who didn't fully understand that play. And, uh, and it was, it was a running play. They were going to block a certain way, which would open up a hole for Thurman Thomas to run through. And, uh, the backup wasn't sure. So he didn't get the ball and Jim Kelly ran. And when they showed that clip of how wide, that space was that uh, the Bills' offensive line had made in this drawing of the play. That would have been a touchdown. I'm not so sure, I, but it was so <laughs> open. There was a hole there, but those holes can close really fast when things change. So that's what she said. But <laughs> I, I, I see it. It's interesting, and I thought that was a what-if cool scenario thing. in the movie. And when they they go and find out why. Thurman Thomas didn't have his helmet was even ins- more insane. Oh yeah. It was a band member from Harry Connick Jr.'s band going into the halftime show or after well, Anthem. I think. Anth- was it the Anthem? Right. And or, so or whatever pregame at something. Yeah. And he had moved Thomas's helmet to, to where that guy was. Cause he was going to be standing in that area along the sidelines to play. And so that's why his helmet was gone, and he couldn't get into that game yeah. to, to make that play, which was pretty crazy. So Harry Connick Jr., responsible. I've always disliked the man. Um, you know, and, and the uh, in the first uh, Super Bowl game against the Giants and showing the Whitney Houston performance and how they talked about how that that version of the anthem was so much better than anything and all that stuff that just kind of played into – being at that Super I did Bowl. oh I did find the one weird part for that there was a it was Desert Storm right and right they had the helicopter with the gun on it yes and I think it's Steve Tasker says something like our messages there was a message with that with the gun yeah hel- that's that seemed very odd it was to very me. strange very strange yeah. well that reminded me of concussion too the way he kind of proposes to her and like their how their relationship built up to what it was was executed terribly in the movie. He seemed creepy. It was very to bizarre <laughs> to me. Anyway, uh, but I just I don't think like it's not a five for or a, a two baller for me. Right. But I, I it was very emotional. Maybe I would have. It, it's very unified in its story. Right? right. It's always like we were saying the team is always on each other's side. They always have each other's backs and the city was always supporting Scott Norwood where I don't think that's really the case. I think that there, that did happen. Although there's a a large majority that did feel that way, but I, it doesn't really examine the other side that much 
of from within. So I'm sure Bills fans, there were many that hated a lot of these players. Well, and, and I think they they didn't really focus a, a lot on that stuff because what they did focus um, on was a lot of the responsibility that these guys took on themselves and, and how like it was pretty obvious how terrible they felt for that city and, and how um, terrible they felt for the, the fans of, you know, of having to, you know, uh, watch four straight Super Bowls with them losing and, and the amount of pressure that they put on themselves. I mean, they were like, this is 25 years later and they were still were really emotional talking about yeah. it to the point of them all having tears in their eyes as they're discussing, you know, the different, you know, things that led up to them losing uh, each of those games. And so I think that's, they didn't really need to pile a lot of that on. No, I agree. It's it just, the movie presents one side essentially, and it's like portraying a theme of positivity in general, but don't all documentaries. Sure. Normally? I'm, f- okay. I'm fine with that, but I, I think like it downplays, there was definitely a great crowd that appreciated Scott Norwood, but there was also just as many people who probably sent him oh, death threats. I, I'm and, sure he got awful, awful things, phone calls and letters and things like that. And animal carcasses on his doorstep. Yeah. And, and, uh, the using the falls and even calling it out as this metaphor so close to home. I thought that's, that was interesting. I don't know. It seemed a little too much for me. You didn't oh, like the, the clips of the Maid of the Mist? <laughs> Not really. No? Oh, all right. But, I mean, I see it every day. I saw it two days ago, so right. maybe maybe it was calling it out in the narration. Um, one thing that I absolutely loved was all the old WKBW news footage that, that they showed. <laughs> the, the, the Irv Weinstein appearance was amazing. <laughs> I'm assuming they went because... Uh, Disney, which owns ESPN, also owns ABC, so they were probably able to get that ABC affiliate footage yep. for probably either free or cheaper than getting it from Because CBS, was, I'm pretty sure, was the station that actually aired a lot of those Bills games locally. So but, so that was, that was really cool, seeing all that old footage. The other thing that I found really cool was after two of the Super Bowl losses, they, when they were speaking with Steve Tasker, and they showed him walking in that tunnel with his son holding his hand. Um, his son, Luke, is now like a star player with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Well, I, I don't know how this material would play to someone else. It's tough for me to say, being a right. Bills fan and being from this area. It definitely had a different feel than it would to someone. Well, I, I think uh, the Steve Tasker aftermath would pretty much get anybody. Oh, that. Like, oh, sorry, like, yeah, I'm not. I, I hated those teams with a passion. Those those Super Bowl teams, those Buffalo Bills yeah. teams, and then, but even I felt something for them. Yeah, I wasn't 25 years later specifically talking about the Steve Tasker thing necessarily, but just in general, you know, would someone in Florida watch this and? have the same response I did or like it as much. Right. I doubt it, but but I can't say for sure. Uh, but what I do like about the movie, as a as a general comment, the, the overall story, four straight Super Bowl losses, is interesting in itself. And everything that happens as a result of that is the movie. Right. But then even within that, there are multiple sub-stories and uh, not character arcs, but, you know, real stories of real people 
that are impactful and meaningful and different and there's variety within it. So yes. I think it really does have a lot and it earns its hour and 40 minute runtime, which is like rare for a 30 for 30. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was a long 30 for mm-hmm. 30. Um, but I thought it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, so what would be your, your rating? Uh, I'll go two and a half, but it's close to two. You know what? I'm going to go two balls. It doesn't two and even, a half balls. No, even one and a half. What I was thinking, one. Yeah, I right. Was. I'll give it a two ball. I don't think it, it that would translate directly to a five out of five, though. Right. But in the ball system, it's a two. I think it's I think it's two balls. Absolutely. I think it's a full sack. Okay. That's that's a good review. I think. Um. But uh, yeah. So I encourage everybody to go watch that thirty for thirty if you're uh, a sports fan. You don't need to be a specific football fan, but I think if you're a sports fan, you'll enjoy that if you're a sports fan i wouldn't really recommend concussion though yeah if you're a fan of nigerian doctors then definitely (laughs) watch concussion absolutely because you'll you'll get a lot out of that so moving on um i thought that since this is uh you know the last show of this year and we're nearing the very end of 2015 i mean the balls are dropping shortly Mm-hmm. To, to ring in 2016 so i thought it was uh it was time to introduce uh the inaugural ballsy awards for uh high achievement in sports in uh in 2015 so this is uh something that i uh put together and uh uh since this is the first year you know all award shows start small with categories so we only have four categories this year for the ballsy awards maybe for 2016, for the for the next uh, annual Ballsy Awards, we'll we'll have more categories. But we're going to start with uh, uh, and if listeners four. have suggestions, absolutely, listeners are more than welcome to suggest some uh, new categories for us as well. So our first category is uh, Wag of the Year. Uh, now, if you don't know what a wag is, uh, it's the I didn't right <laughs> you didn't. So it's a term that the wives and girlfriends of uh, professional athletes give themselves, wives and girlfriends, WAGs. Um, there's actually a show called WAGs with uh, a bunch of pro athlete wives hanging out together from, uh, like, I know one of the, like the wife of uh, hockey player Sheldon Surrey is on it. Uh, she used to be a wrestler in the uh, WWE at the time. Um, and uh, I don't know who are the other people are i only know it was the the one girl but there's a show about that and then there's been there's been a basketball wives show reality show and i think there was a football wives yeah Yeah. so this is kind of a a name that they've given to themselves i don't want to say this is an upset but i think this was a, a a late runner that came in and stole this award um so for the first ballsy award for wag of the year i'm going to give it to miko grimes do you know who Miko Grimes in? No. She is the uh, the wife of uh, uh, Miami Dolphins cornerback Brent Grimes. Okay, that makes sense. So she went on to uh, Twitter and went on a crazy rant about the Miami Dolphins. And it was one of the greatest Twitter rants ever. Like she's been uh, uh, arrested for disorderly conduct at Dolphins games before because she just gets so out of hand. <laughs> um 
And I, I think she might have even been banned from some games. So this time she decided to go on the, the Twitter. And I'm, I'm going to read you a, a good chunk of uh, tweets that she sent out. And some of them are great. Um, so the first tweet here is uh, <clears throat> Miami Media colon. Brent Grimes is washed up. Um, then she writes, Colts coaching staff after the game. Colon. Brent, you are incredible. It's tough planning <laughs> around you. <laughs> Uh, our next tweet is, uh, I promise you another team will want us if the Dolphins keep saying he's washed up. Don't worry about us. We're good. Um, and then a reporter named uh, Armando Salguero covers the Dolphins. So just read his game tweets. I only saw two negative quarterback tweets out of like 50. I saw 20 negative tweets about defensive players. The same defense, although poorly coached, that only allowed 16 points today. But I'm sure that piece of shit thinks this <laughs> loss is on the defense. Uh, here's another guy. Uh, uh, Abramson is sucking Ryan Tannehill's dick too and thinks the defense <laughs> needs to do more. What a horrible bunch of clueless losers we have covering this team. If the fans don't think Brent is washed, how come he didn't make the Pro Bowl? He's an alternate because of coaches and player votes, period. So get the fuck out of my mentions with that not this fan bullshit. There are more fans that think he's washed up than not. Uh, then she responds to uh, a fan that says, uh, you would see the same sorry-ass quarterback even if we had the Cowboys offensive line. Stop being idiot and own it. He stinks. Talking he t- about he told us. She's telling you, too. Oh, yeah. I know he stinks. <laughs> I said he was shit earlier. Um, uh, here's a good one. Uh, uh, we had four players playing at a Pro Bowl level on this defense. One got hurt for the season, but none made the Pro Bowl. Good job, fans. Y'all didn't even vote Juice into the Pro Bowl. I'm not sure who Juice is. <laughs> So I don't know why y'all thought would vote for anybody else. And then uh, another reporter named Adam Beasley uh, sent out a tweet that said, uh, Brent Grimes pick negated by Brent Grimes hold. Kind of his ear no. Her response was, look at this fuck boy. Then uh, Adam Beasley tweeted out, somebody named DeAndre Coleman is on the field for the Dolphins. And she's like, he doesn't even know who his number 53 and y'all follow him. Uh, so basically, Adam Beasley blames the defense. Let's see what he tweeted about the quarterback, shall we? And then there's no tweets. Um, the AAA, she says, the AAAs, Armando, Andrew, and Adam, all media members who cover the Dolphins. Fuck all three of y'all with Magic Johnson's dick. <laughs> wow. In conclusion, the AAAs have an agenda. Destroy the defense and make everything look like Tannehill is not the problem. There's one more. Brent just asked me to go take a shower and cool off. About to listen to him and put my phone down. Y'all have a good evening. But that didn't stop there. Uh, She decided to get her phone back up and tweeted out, I knew this quarterback stunk the minute we signed to this team, but I tried to keep quiet so I didn't discourage Bay from believing in his team. And some guy uh, randomly tweeted at her and said, uh, um, since you're talking so much shit, I have a question. How much did Brent have to pay to get your charges acquitted? And uh, she went on his profile and took a picture (laughs) that he had on his profile of his girlfriend. And she tweeted out, go kiss your fat girlfriend, Rachel. And then put three pig emoticons. And then sent out a tweet with like 10 pig emoticons. And then 10 faces crying with a retweet of his girlfriend saying homecoming was almost amazing as you to him. And then put these fucking... (laughs) So making fun of this fan's girlfriend. Um... And then there is one, um, and then she goes She goes on to Ryan Tannehill again. You know, it's funny how the Ryan Tannehill fans are okay with the media trashing everyone except him. Get y'all dick-riding asses out my mentions. He's a bum. And then my, uh, 
like just got my column. How many people does Ryan Tannehill have to get fired before you realize he's the problem? And then my can my column. Who got more people fired, Ryan Tannehill or Jonathan Martin? Do you remember Jonathan Martin? <laughs> and then uh, where is my favorite one? It's like Tannehill ejaculates and drops a drop of jizz in y'all mouth like a mother feeding her baby birds in her nest. Another <laughs> <laughs> be tweet of the year, sports tweet of the year. So now I uh, follow her on Twitter. Nice. <laughs> she is probably my favorite dolphin, actually, to be honest about it. That last, Fantastic. That last one was oh, yeah. spectacular. So she uh, deserves that, uh, that uh, ballsy award. Um. Next category is uh, sports uh, douchebag of the year. Um, that ballsy word goes to Greg Hardy. Oh, yes. yes. I thought it might be Tom Brady, but okay. Well, I think Greg Hardy I'm deserves joking. it uh, <laughs> mostly um, because, uh, you know, first of all, he gets signed by the, the Cowboys even though, um, you know, he was convicted of doing all those horrible things to the girl beating her up and throwing her onto a pile of guns. And, uh, and this was shortly after... Uh, Jerry Jones said that, you know, abuse and violence and uh, domestic violence will not be tolerated, but then they go and sign this guy. And then, uh, um, so after, you know, um, he sits through his suspension from the NFL, um, he sends out a, a, a tweet at the beginning of the season um, talking about, uh, I hope I come out guns blazing and full of excitement and full of juice. I'm ready to go, you know, after he'd. You know, throwing this woman onto a pile of guns. So, bad choice of words. And then uh, um, he continues on uh, when they're uh, playing the, the Patriots. And he's like, you know, I love seeing Tom Brady. you seen his wife. I hope she comes to the game. I hope her sister comes to the game. <laughs> so, this guy, he's just a guy that doesn't get it. He doesn't have a clue. Um, and even aside from that, within his own team, he was a, oh, yeah. he was a dick, too. He was a dick, too. Absolutely. And then he had that that uh, rap video on TMZ where he's uh, there's like gunfire and strippers, you know? So like, Oh, I didn't see that one. Like, this is just a guy that didn't learn anything. I mean, I, you know, people compare him to, you know, what Michael Vick did and what uh, Adrian Peterson did and what Ray Rice did. And all those things that those guys did were awful, awful things. But, um, they have shown that they are attempting to make steps to better themselves and to make sure that, you know, things like that don't occur again. Like Vic has completely reinvented himself. Um, he's a lot of those charges with the, with the dog stuff. Most people don't really even talk about that anymore because, you know, he, he did his time and did his punishment and, you know, and he kind of changed the way people perceive him. And the same thing with, uh, you know, Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice, you know, at least they've made attempts to get counseling and to, but you know, Greg Hardy hasn't done any of that stuff. He just doesn't care and yeah. continues to do stupid things and, um, and to, you know, I don't know if he purposely is trying to make light of that situation, but uh, definitely douchebag of the year, ballsy award winner. Well, it, what, where does Jerry Jones factor into this? I, you know, not addressing first runner up the douchebag of the year as labeled by the ball drunk podcast. Yes. This might send ripples through. He's probably first runner up. Yeah. All right. For, for okay. He's complicit. Yeah. He's complicit. Uh, next category is a uh, sports analyst fail of the year goes to Lewis Riddick. <laughs> uh, now, if you haven't had the, heard the clip, 
he's talking about the uh, Carolina Panthers defense. And so uh, we're just going to play the clip right now. When it comes down to it, when they play against the big boys, a team like the Carolina Panthers, a team that can really come, line up and say, hey, you know what? We're going to come right here and right here, right in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right here, right in your mouth. What a joker. Like how, you know, how, how people, you know, don't think about what they're saying before they say it. And um, clearly there's no time delay on, on uh, these live halftime shows or whatever that they're doing. Uh, but funny, funny stuff. That's, I had not seen that clip before you showed it to me. Good stuff. And like, it is amazing. Oh, yeah. Ballsy Award winner. Right there, that, for sports analyst failure was to lose Riddick. Yeah, if twenty years from now, that might be the first. Like that might get a special award. Oh yeah, I think I think I it's, don't want it, that ever to be forgotten. It's an instant classic. And our uh, final ballsy award for 2015, uh, the category is worst poem to announce your retirement <laughs> by, and that goes to. Uh, the Black Mamba himself, <laughs> Mr. Kobe Bryant. How Should utterly... We, I think now do you have the poem? Good, are you going to read the I don't poem? have the poem because it's really long. It is long. It's really, really long. Part of me was kind of impressed that he wrote that poem. I didn't think it was... even. Maybe I was trying to find something to like about Kobe, but... Right. It, it might have been. Uh, it's ridiculous. It is regardless. It is just so bizarre and and really very typical. It was posted on the players' uh, tribune, the players' right? tribune, and then he had a copy printed off onto the seats of everyone at the oh, Staples I didn't Center. Know about that. Oh yeah, so when people arrived at the Staples Center, they saw oh, the poem and and all of this, including basketball. his documentary and his next documentary and everything. I think he said his goal is to get into media marketing yes. stuff once he's done. So to me, all of this is him like putting out content under the Kobe Bryant umbrella. The brand. Yeah, and strengthening that media brand, which is just comical. He's a me. genius. <laughs> genius. And a worthy recipient of this ballsy award. And so, yeah, yeah, I love Kobe. It might I, be I, tough. Sorry, I didn't mean to. It sorry. might be tough to... Find a winner for this award next year well, or yeah. any other year <laughs> <laughs> ever because I, I I don't know if poems will ever be used again. It probably won't catch on. So I mean the 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 nominees for for this award were pretty slim. It was a, it was a runaway. Yeah, it was it was a runaway victory for for Kobe Bryant. I mean, of all the accolades he's won, probably this ballsy award is probably the biggest one. Close to it. Probably very important in his in his life, um, but just an odd way to announce his retirement. And I think that's a good way for us to segue into discussing the the retirement of one of the top five greatest basketball players of all time, Mr. Kobe Bryant. Well, first of all, let me say I loved the Ballsy Awards. Okay, I loved your four picks, and I would say Kobe Bryant. I really thought I made. My prediction that the Lakers would make the playoffs. You certainly did. I thought he would embrace where he was in his career. I hoped he would because I've seen him be a great passer. I know he can do the things that would make him a great role player and leader. 
And my worst, well, not my worst fears, but my, my greatest dreams were fulfilled in that he couldn't do that. He cannot not be the alpha male and dominate everyone or think he's the best at any given point in time at anything, no matter what he's doing. He is the definition of an asshole. He did it for you. <laughs> and I was, I was glad all of that uh, was verified this season in the NBA. And oh, yes. Very happy with that. I was worried that there would be a, a second era of Kobe <laughs> where he would get more championships <laughs> and everyone would be saying, because that would be the thing to do. Oh, yes. And people would say, look at, it would just even cement his legacy further. It would make it even better. And he threw that in the garbage because of his ego. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. He just, uh, <laughs> he, he decided that, uh, he was not willing to, um, go into the season and, and, uh, and not be the top guy. And, uh, and the, the crazy thing about it is that he was f like, he wasn't even delusional. He no. was fully aware that he was garbage. He, in a, in a post game interview, he said, you know, I'm shit. I'm the worst player in the NBA right now. And the next game went out and took another 30 shots. Yes. So he doesn't care. You don't know behind the scenes. No. Like maybe the Lakers want him to do this. I, I think, I think uh, this is, this is the problem with Byron Scott. I think he's drawing up all of these plays for Kobe to shoot. But I think he's, whatever's happening. I could definitely see the Lakers are doing it on purpose. Oh, of course they are. To get another draft pick. Oh, yes. They're still going to make money off this season. Yes, they because are. Because everyone's talking about Kobe still. They want to see Kobe play wherever he goes. Those tickets are skyrocketing in price. Exactly. So you could argue it's a business-savvy move to do it now. or But in terms of the what's best for a basketball team, it's a mockery. Well, and you know what? It isn't even that bad. Because... They have no chance of winning anything. No. If anything, the bad thing is they're taking away from the development of their other players. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming they're only looking at it like it's just one season. And, you know, that's just... They are, they are doing what the 76ers have been doing, but they're doing it in a way that doesn't make them look terrible. Yes. Because even though they're... You know they're still playing their star players. You know they're not making going out and making bad trades. They're not doing things that make them look like they're doing it on purpose. Um, they're giving the ball to one of the greatest players of all time and having him shoot more. Yeah, and they and, have and enough. Losing. They have enough insane fans who still want to watch that and oh, still yeah. think Kobe's the best. Oh, I, I mean. <laughs> I <laughs> I know Kobe is not the player that he was before, and I actually have trouble watching these games. Sometimes I watch them, and I I think that this just has to be a whole genius play on on Mitch Kupchak's part. Yeah, on on this is why that they're doing this, and like I I think what's going to happen is that they're you know they're gonna finish in the bottom three, um, so they're they're gonna keep their pick. They're not going to lose it because uh, they're not. Uh, they'll probably finish as the second worst team. I think they'll still end up being a little bit worse than Brooklyn, which will guarantee that they're not going to drop out of the top three. Which mm -hmm. guarantees that they're going to keep this pick. 
So Kobe's cash would be, he's retired. They're going to fire Byron Scott. He's gone. They uh, might offer him an office position. I could, that's the only thing I can think of. That for, for Byron Scott? <clears throat> that they oh, said yeah. to him, well, I'm sure do this for us and we'll take a, care of you. They'll give him a Laker job, just like Kareem has a Laker job. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, he'll be an ambassador of some sort. I mean, they can afford to put another, pay that salary and have him do that. So, you know, they're going to get a top pick. They'll probably draft Ben Simmons. And they're going to take that money. And uh, I don't know if you have seen the this relationship that is developing between Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant. Like, you know, they've been... Oh, they've been supporting each other in the media quite right. a bit. They went out to dinner together. Yeah. And, Durant's uh, been defending Kobe yes. against the media, or was in the first half of the season before and he announced his return. Kobe picked Kevin Durant as one of the five most uh what did he like somebody asked him who are the five the players who would give him the biggest challenge one on one, but he would still beat? I don't think that was the question. <laughs> but I think the the question was, you know, who were the five greatest competitors that you ever played against? And he listed uh Jordan and LeBron, and I'm pretty sure he said Kevin Durant. And he said Elijah Wan and Clyde Drexler. I mean, whatever. No, no, I know. Those five players that he picked, like, that's just how he feels, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, a lot of people are debating on why he picked those players and and uh, players he should have picked instead. Like, that's just his personal opinion. It didn't matter that, you know, he was only 18 and only played. I thought, didn't he pick Ron Artest, too? I thought he no, gave a no, show. No, he, he wasn't in that. But, I mean, it's like he... He only played against Drexel like twice, and he only played against Elijah yeah, exactly. once or twice. And but that's fine. Like that's just what he chose, and that was his opinion, and that's fine. And I think picking Durant, or at least mentioning Durant, I think that's he's trying to woo Kevin Durant to come sign with the Lakers. Could and be. It's probably going to happen because they're going to have a lot of money, and uh, you know Durant is going to be the guy, and they're going to surround him with. Um, whoever they're going to draft, probably Ben Simmons. They're going to surround him with D'Angelo Russell. They're going to surround him with Julius Randle. And like Lou Williams is going to be coming off the bench. I'm not sure how long Roy Hibbert's contract is or whatever, but I mean, they're are going to make this team and they're going to build it around Durant with a bunch of young players and they're going to have a new coach. I'm thinking Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> and the Lakers are going to be a great team in like two or three years once again. You are setting yourself up for enormous <laughs> disappointment. <laughs> Although your your performance in laying that out was very believable. Sure. Right? I, I didn't realize until the very end that it was like some insane dream scenario yeah. for you. That was really good. Right. You, you fooled me. Something, something big is going to happen. They're going to get a big free agent. And they're going to have them surrounded by some... I mean, Julius Randle's a good player. And I think D'Angelo Russell can be a good player. Yeah, for sure. And whoever they draft in one, two, or three will probably be a good player because they're not dumb like Cleveland. They're not going to take Anthony Bennett. You know? Well, the reason why Kevin Durant would go to L.A. now... The sunshine. is because Kobe Bryant won't be there. Oh, yes. And... So I think that's going to be a very desirable place for people for players to want to go. The one thing Kobe did was get himself out of the equation. That's the best thing he could have done for the Lakers. So so he's getting his twenty four million dollars this year. He's shooting. Actually, he's been, last few games he's actually been shooting yeah, been like forty percent. He's been better. But uh, 
you know, it's a, it's going to be an interesting off season for that team. What are the chances he gets good by the end of the season and recalls his retirement? I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. No. And I don't think he'll ever play anywhere else. So, no, I'd, I'd like the odds of him actually getting better where he thinks he could be another year older and continue that play. I think he's seen how bad he is. Okay. And uh, so I, I don't, uh, I don't see it happening. Well, you've got this weird grin on your face that. Uh, no, no, I, th- I look, no one's beating Golden State. No one's beating San Antonio. I think it's a very business savvy move. If it's all intentional and it's very smart. Right. And I wish the Pelicans would do the same. And the problem is they're not. The Pelicans are going to make the playoffs still, even though they're 10 and 20. And they're going to lose in the first round against the Warriors, most likely. And they're not going to get any better. They'll probably get worse in the offseason. And they're just not doing smart basketball no moves at all. The one thing that you can say about Kobe Bryant is over the last, I'd say, 10 years or so, everything that he has done has been very calculated. He is a sociopath. He's the most insanely calculated person oh, yeah. on the planet. Like if uh, if he was ever elected to lead a country that had weapons of mass destruction, there would be like he would rule the world. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> His ego is ginormous, and I guess you can you need to be that way to be a star in the NBA to some degree. I'll be glad once he's gone. Are you willing to admit that he's one of the ten greatest players of all time? I personally don't believe that. He you is. don't think so? No, no. Uh, not even close. Uh, really, really, hmm. he could have been e- even, you know, uh, outspoken Kobe hater Bill Simmons. That's fine. He says these. I I think Magic Johnson's better. I think LeBron James is better. I think Russell Westbrook's even better. If you if, if you're if, fucking drunk, if if you told me now, pick any players in their prime. I would take Russell Westbrook in his prime before Kobe Bryant any day of the week. That would be a horrible mistake on your part. <laughs> Disagree. Yeah. I think there are a lot of better players. He just has this mystique around him. I can, oh, that's what I was going to say. I know a friend of a friend who flew from Ireland to New York to see Kobe play in his last games. Like He has this, this very strange allure to people, which I, I, just, I obviously don't see it. I right. don't get it. He is not what I would want a teammate to be uh so i i I think this all has to do with the fact that he was drafted by your charlotte hornets not at all i think subconsciously that's what it is not at all really he is when you're playing on a team he is the last player that that type of player he just he that type of player drives me crazy i hate it i hate it and I, that's why, even though I hate a lot of the players on the Spurs, I have nothing but respect for that team and what they can do. So, so. you can't even respect Kobe's desire to win and I his can, competitiveness. I've said, I can respect his competitiveness. I would want that. I just think his outlet for that is himself, not the team. Right. I, he wants to win, but I, I do think he wants the win to be on his terms. I think most players want that, though. I don't think so. I think Dwight a, a, Howard a, does. Sure, and he he doesn't win, and that's that's the problem. The Spurs. 
You don't think Jordan wanted to win on his terms? He did. All right. Almost, you don't, you don't almost think, to a detriment at times. You I don't think. think Jordan is a very similar player to Kobe Bryant in, in he is. mentality? Yeah. yeah. And would you put him as one of the 10 greatest of all time? Uh, I would. Okay. I would, for sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would have him below Magic Johnson, though. I, right. I think Magic Johnson is better than... The other Magic MJ. Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I respect about the game of basketball. Sure. Totally different right. for different people. Uh, but like seeing what the Spurs do... That's a well-oiled machine, even what Golden State does now. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry can go off at any point, and he takes very cocky sh- shots, but I still feel like he's m- more of a teammate than, right. than Kobe ever was. What, do you, how, what are your feelings on Luke Walton? Uh, I don't think he has a lot to do. <laughs> I think that that team knows what they're doing. Right. They have a, a bravado that's unmatched. Uh, they get away with murder. I'll put that in there. Right. Uh, but they are clearly an amazing team and loaded. Would like you just, be upset that team is loaded. if uh, they are? Would you be upset if uh, he was the coach for the All Star team? No, no, not really. Do you think that the NBA is right in not giving him the credit for those wins and giving Steve Kerr the credit for the wins? I don't know. I don't know what happens in locker rooms when well, it's, Steve Kerr's there, right? And how I I don't know how he interacts with the team. I I just I like it. It's such a bizarre thing. Like if the fact that Kerr is not behind the actual bench and he's not coaching the team during the games and and not running those plays. Um, I don't it, think Luke Walton calls plays. I don't think so either. But it's it's just it's very. It's hard to think who should get credit for those Golden State win- wins as the coach of the team. Um, because, yes, everything was devised. Everything was created by Steve Kerr. And that's everything that their team is doing is what he has coached them to do. And his assistant is the one that's running the game. So it's... I, personally, I feel Steve Kerr should get credit. Yeah. The, one, the one thing that I am a little concerned about um, regarding the Lakers... And their poor decisions on who they pick as coaches over the last, well, ever since Phil left, um, is that they might make a play for Luke Walton. I, I was almost going to bring that up before. That should scare you. It terrifies me. <laughs> okay. Now, I know I've talked about it before, but if anything, this proves to me, with a few exceptions, Greg Popovich. Yes. Coaches are not that important in the NBA. They're oddly motivators. And yeah, I, there's the few. I don't know why they need to be. I, I don't know why. Uh, I've The things they say when they're mic'd up in player right. huddles are ridiculous. They are things you would say to a high school team. Uh, I'm not seeing strategy or anything other than cheerleading when I see a lot of these coaches in the NBA. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I just think I th- if Steve Kerr has set up this system. Luke Walton is filling in for that and reiterating those things and just some game management, obviously, with pulling players and when to put them back in. But I, I think Steve Kerr should have it. But they're really good. That's and it, <laughs> it doesn't seem like the the players are. It looks. It seems like they actually respect Luke Walton and they like Luke Walton as coach. It doesn't seem like they're 
Um, you know how LeBron was like in the playoffs was kind of calling a lot of the plays mm-hmm. last year for for Cleveland and, and and making some of those decisions. I don't see that happening in Golden State. They seem to really embrace the team aspect of it. Yeah, they they feel like a team, yes. and that is rare in the NBA. It seems like the ones that do do well. So, That's and the true. Pelicans are a complete disaster. Speaking of, like Golden State, Alvin Gentry, everyone said he was, you know, he's an offensive genius. He, are we really giving Alvin, when we look back at the nice. Warriors, was that Alvin Gentry's doing? I don't think so. I, I can't think remember, I can't remember really, if you were happy with him uh, bringing Brian oh, in the I coach. I was not. No, I don't I don't. I was not him. at all. And, uh, and how are you feeling about it now? I st- feel the exact same way. Because they haven't been very good. No. I did say this, though. <clears throat> I still, I uh, one of my ultra bold predictions was Houston would not make the playoffs, which still could happen. It could. And there was a game after Christmas, the day after Christmas, where the Pelicans beat Houston. I have a feeling it's going to come down to Houston and the Pelicans for that last spot. And not Utah. Yep. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. So you think Utah will jump into the seventh spot? I'm I'm not sure exactly how it'll play out. I don't know how Dallas is doing as good as they're doing. Like it's crazy to me. I guess that's coaching as well, maybe. Yeah, it could be. Uh so I I honestly the Pelicans have been so bad, my interest in the NBA has been very minimal this year. Right. Because one, when I listen to sports podcasts or anything else. All they talk about is the Warriors anyway. Right. So I, I don't even get a collective sense of the league. I can't watch every game. And it makes following the league less interesting when a team is that good. Because they're not switching, oh, this team's good right now. You should see what this team's doing. Right. It's just all Warriors all the time. And it's it's gotten a little boring. So I'm hoping Cleveland's get uh, Kyrie Irving's back. Cleveland could be interesting. After Christmas, the league tends to pick up anyway after football, so I'm hoping I get a little more intrigued by what's going on, but so far this year it is not uh football has right skyrocketed sure past basketball right now for me. The um the Western Conference for uh the NBA, I mean um thinking back to what I predicted would happen, I mean the only um thing that I have incorrect is I don't think I had Dallas making the playoffs, but I had the Pelicans making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have Utah yes. in there, and um, but uh, Memphis is a. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised that they're they're not as good as they have been in recent years. But uh, I mean, they are getting a little bit older. What I really want to see happen, like inconsequential to the top teams right now, right. I want DeMarcus Cousins to get traded because all I hear is everyone defending DeMarcus Cousins right. and saying if he's in the wrong system. He would be amazing on another team. He is amazing. I see nothing but dysfunction. And right. I want to see him in a different environment so we can decide if it is environment or personality because – I would agree with that. Yeah, I'd like uh, to see that. That's one thing I would like to see happen, and it could have big impacts in the NBA. Because he's with Sacramento. For a long time. Yes. And it does happen with some 
analysis, but very rarely I feel that he doesn't get the blame for. No. It's usually he's a superstar who's being held down by a team, and it's never the other way around. I would like to see what would happen. What would happen? Sure. Rondo could have been sports douchebag of the year as well. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty big too, so I'd forgotten about that. He doesn't really made light of That's true. Domestic yeah. abuse. No, no, though, I, so. I agree. Yeah. But he was a candidate. I I'm sure he definitely was. The <laughs> the votes just weren't there for him. <laughs> um however the Eastern Conference in the NBA is a lot different than I expected it mm-hmm. to. There's been a lot of huge surprises. Though I did predict that Indiana would be back and you thought you I did. was foolish. Uh, that is correct. I thought you were a damn fool, um, and I was a moron. We both thought Washington would be much better. Yes. And uh, they are not. I mean, we knew Brooklyn would be bad, and the Knicks would be bad, and Philly would be bad. And Well, we both thought Milwaukee would be good, too. Yeah. They're third last. They're, they're, they're not playing well at all. Um, Detroit is playing a lot better than I thought they were. And that's, that's, that's something that is coaching. But Charlotte, Detroit, Washington... New York have not played horribly, obviously. No. They're, all their records are around 500. Uh, but Orlando, the East is it's pretty exciting this year. Yes. It's fun. It's a, lot, it's a lot better than it was last year, and, and there's a lot more going on. The Clippers are a disaster. That's the one. I know we're, we run the East, but Clipper, we didn't talk about the Clippers. That team is. Well, yeah, I was going to ask if they do think they regret the whole DeAndre Jordan oh, yeah. situation. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. But, I mean. It's one of the more interesting years in the NBA, and like just in terms of a, the Celtics a, a, a are playing shi- well. A shift in yeah. conferences, and uh, all of a sudden, the Eastern Conference is very tight. Uh, you know, fourteen, fifteen teams in the race there, and it makes it obviously makes sense. These teams have been terrible for so long; they had to be getting better and getting young players. Yes, and this year more than others feels like a a changing of the guard, so to speak, where older players that maybe exceeded expectations in their career longer than they should have are coming down a bit right. and making way for new players. So and it's, it is unfortunate that, uh, like uh, how you said, that you haven't really been too engaged in the NBA when there's a lot going on in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's it, it's mostly time, <laughs> I guess, and... yeah. Too many distractions, and number one, my team being a complete sack of shit. Well, that's the same thing for me with like uh, a lot of the. I mean, I'm usually in bed by nine thirty, which is an hour before the Lakers game start on the mm-hmm. you know, on Eastern Standard Time, so I don't really get to see them too often. Um, but uh, yeah, Christmas Day was pretty much the most involved I've been with the NBA so far this season. But as the uh, once the NFL's gone, then I usually start paying mm-hmm. a lot more attention to uh, to that as well. So a lot of lot of interesting stuff happening in the NBA. Very exciting stuff on the East, and I mean, uh, our next show we'll get more into the NBA, and we'll have uh, a little less to talk about with uh, the uh, NFL. So do you want to take a, a trip around the world? Absolutely. All right. So we got a couple stories for our, uh, balls around the world. Both revolt. I mean, it seems to be a common theme we have a lot of soccer stories a lot of footy stories when it comes to balls around the world probably because it's the most popular sport in the world and a lot of the most in uh, insane and bizarre things happen um 
in soccer, and you know, a lot of it has to do with uh, um, a lot of people know that corruption um, exists in the world of soccer, all the way up from from FIFA at the top, all the way even to like these uh, D and E and F level leagues where things just uh, you know a lot of money gets changed and uh, a lot of stuff happens uh, behind the scenes that we're not so sure about. So uh, the first one I want to talk about is uh, has to do with the Argentina, uh, Argentina Football Association. Um, they had an election um, with uh, 75 members, uh, and the vote ended in a 38-38 tie, which is 76 yeah. votes. <laughs> so there was a mysterious extra ballot casted in this uh, vote uh, for their uh, their democratic election. It was the first time they've actually attempted to have a democratic election and uh, in 36 years, and uh, it ended in a, uh, a tie vote because there seemed to be one mysterious extra vote <laughs> <laughs> cast that no one uh, is sure where it came from. Um, but really, that's kind of typical in, in, uh, in the world of soccer. But uh, funny stuff. Never got resolved? Uh, not as of yet. Uh, Did gonna, they re-vote? They, they're going to call a, a new election, uh, <laughs> but they're going to try to uh, follow a different path so that uh, this era doesn't happen <laughs> again. <laughs> wow. But the fact that somebody casted an extra vote, like, I mean, they must have known that extra vote would be significant. Sure. <laughs> Um, I so I don't know if it, it it happened after the the tally was made and then an extra one was added in somewhere, but oh uh, yeah, that could have happened too. But uh, pretty funny. <laughs> wow. And the other story uh, that I wanted to talk about uh, has to do with uh, um, a Chilean assistant referee. Okay. <laughs> A lot of the things that people complain about uh, with soccer, like, like the the athleticism, the tremendous athleticism it takes to be a, a professional soccer player, sometimes is overlooked by all of the um, instances of diving that takes place. Sure, and it's uh, detrimental to the growth of soccer, specifically in North America, um, where you know uh, North Americans are brought up watching tough sports like hockey and football and you know and even basketball to an extent where it's it's a you know it can be a tough sport you're going to get a lot of elbows to the face and and when that happens you know usually the person that gets elbowed gets back up and a brouhaha starts yes. not in soccer where if uh, um the imaginary elbow will come by uh or um an imaginary punch will happen and they'll players will fall down and flail on the field. And, and, and that kind of brings a negative aspect to the game. So in a uh, Chilean premier division game, um, uh, one of the players was uh, sent off for, for kicking the ball into uh, the referee. Um, the ball barely touched the assistant referee and this referee went down. So the down. referee flopped? The referee flopped like he was wow. shot by a goddamn bullet. <laughs> uh, and this player got uh, tossed off for his violent contact. Wow. Yes. That is a first. That is. It's pretty. Like, that's how far this 
diving has spread into the world of soccer that the assistant referees are now doing it to get players sent off. That's pretty good. Pretty good. I've not heard about that. Um, uh, Those stories were actually both uh, sent to us and good stuff. Yes, excellent. By some ball ball junk listeners. Uh, Let's get into sack time and get into our our listener mail. So if you want to... Uh, send us a question. We love questions. We love comments. You can email them to us at balljankpodcast at gmail.com or you can uh, reach us on the Twitter um, at balljunkpodcast or at Dirty Frank, three R's and dirty or at the gas man lives and uh, we'll take those questions and comments into serious consideration <laughs> uh, whether we want to share those on the show or not and then we'll uh, pick our favorite ones. Um, the one thing I didn't do was write down who actually sent us these, uh, emails. Um, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> we appreciate, uh, the emails anyway. I just kind of pulled off the, uh, topics. The first, uh, question came out and wanted to ask us what our thoughts or what our favorite of the, uh, NFL themes were, whether it would be, uh, ESPN, Monday night football, the CBS, uh, the uh, NBC Sunday Night Football theme, uh, the Fox NFL theme, or the Thursday Night NFL Network theme. Did you get a chance to listen to those themes? Well, I'm familiar with all of them. You're yes. familiar with all of them. And this one came to us from uh, Kenny. Kenny. I think the clear winner is Monday Night Football. I would agree. I think that's my favorite of the five themes. And Fox? I like has Fox. grown on me a lot. Um, they actually use that theme for all of the sports. That's they use it for too. UFC as well. So, in regards to that, I will drop it down. That's not because cool. it's not specific. It's not for exclusive. Football. We want exclusivity in right. our theme, so it's going down. So, number two would be uh, NBC Sunday Night Football. Which I is think we're in agreement on all of these. John Williams. Yes, I did not know that until this. Until the I didn't know that. I I never really paid attention to who composed the themes, other than Round Ball Magic, which was composed by John Tesh, which was the old NBA, which beats NBC, them all. which is by far the best sports theme ever. Better yeah. than Hockey Night in Canada. Better than them all. Yeah, exactly. Hockey Night in Canada is good. Oh uh, sure, it's very lame that it switched networks. Yes, that's stupid. But. uh Tough to beat Monday Night Football. Yeah, I would agree that uh, that one is. Uh, and then uh, the next one, there's two questions from uh, our next one. Um, it has to do with uh, um, God damn it! I wish I had wrote that down. Anyway, the, I, I have it right here. Oh, you have it right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, greetings, Gasman and Knuckles. When you guys were young, who were your favorite athletes growing up, and what are your favorite memories of favorite sports posters adorned on your walls? I tended to stick with NHL hockey, Canucks and Canadians, and maybe a few Blue Jays and Chicago Bulls posters. However, I don't recall any NFL posters from my youth. After finding this link, I may now know why. Uh, There's a link here, some funniest NFL posters. Which are excellent, by the way. (laughs) Uh, This was a highlight. Um, It's it's on uh, dailyoftheday.com. And if you go onto there and you uh, if you type in in the search the funniest old school NFL posters, um, these things are insane. 
because it's not clips of not like uh, images of of them like playing in the games. It's well, like them dressed up in like some sort of a costume that has to do with maybe their nickname, um, like John Offerdahl, um, I guess his nickname was the Predator. So they have him in these army fatigues, and then uh, in the middle of a jungle with a dead football player standing behind, like lying on the ground behind him. Mark Gastineau, who played for the New York Jets, he has this thing called Mark and the Barbarian, and he's in like this fur short shorts and a fur boot and has like the saber tooth necklace. And uh, there's a dead football player lying down on the ground behind him on this poster as well. And yeah, they're all movie themed. They're all movie themed, like Chicago Vice, like a couple of, I think it's Jim McMahon. I'm not sure who the other person is in the poster. <laughs> the uh, Dan Marino one's amazing. In his Zubaz pants? Oh, oh yeah. My the, friend the still has Boz. a later version of this. He has the Terminator poster for Thurman nice. Thomas. It's not... He's wearing a uniform. It right. just says Terminator, but... These are priceless. Bernie Kosar, Air Raid, wearing the flight suit. Neil, <laughs> Neil Lomax, <laughs> the Grand Cannon. Yeah, like the H-bomb, Herschel Walker, Jerry Rice, gold fingers. He's wearing a tuxedo with gold hands, holding a football. I have to post the link. Uh, we'll put, put, put the link in the comments on as well. So there's a little more to the to the email. P.S. There were some lawsuit allegations against oh, Mark. But we didn't oh. actually talk about who oh. our favorite athletes were and if we had any posters of athletes when we were a kid. Oh, my or, favorite athletes were Cal Ripken. Right. I don't think I had a poster. I had a signed baseball. Uh, I had a lot of Charlotte Hornet stuff in general. I think for Christmas one year, I got a Charlotte Hornets clock, a Charlotte Hornets garbage can, a Charlotte Hornets area rug. <laughs> My mom went crazy buying me Charlotte Hornets stuff. But I did have... How old were you at this point? I guess 12. Man, your mom searched for stuff because, I mean, you couldn't find anything... Like uh, Charlotte was really popular. Were they? Yeah. I only ended up getting Montreal Canadian stuff because that was the easiest yeah, to find. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I did have a Larry Johnson grandmama poster. Nice. In, I guess it was 13 or 14, probably around there, that I got one buying Converse shoes that I loved because I loved Larry yeah. Johnson. I had a couple of like Montreal Canadiens team posters. Uh, I had a Patrick Waugh poster. Um, I had a Tim Raines poster and I don't think I had anything for growing up for the, the Lakers or the, or the Dolphins growing up. It was mostly just hockey and, and some baseball stuff. Um, but growing up, my favorite players were, uh, Matt Snazlin. It's a good one. He I think I had a Patrick Waugh poster too. And, uh, yeah, like I was a big fan of Pat Roy, obviously. Um, and all, like all those guys from the Expos and, uh, and like Gary Carter and Tim Raines and Andre Dawson and Tim Wallach and I loved all those guys and UP loved UP you still do still love UP uh, but yes so the next question was P.S. there were some lawsuit allegations against Mark Wahlberg and The Rock over the Ballers TV series apparently it was pitched as a different property called Off Season sour grapes or a legitimate case. Have a happy Festivus and ball in New Year's. May the sports be with you. 
Chandon from British Columbia. Um, I had actually heard about that, and I looked into it as well. And um, from the from the description of what their show is, I could see why they would think that. But in all the network dealings they had regarding their show, they never met with any of the people met in the lawsuit or anybody associated directly with those people in the lawsuit. But wasn't their description of what the show would be what you assume a yes. show about NFL yes. offseason would be like? Yes. Of course they're going to dress a certain way and have certain cars and do things. Yes. Like, it seems ridiculous to me. I'm saying no case. I don't think there's a case either. Because, like, they had zero contact with any of the people they're named in, that are named in the lawsuit. So you can't really Unless say Unless there's story elements, anyone could propose a show about NFL right. players. Totally agree. Uh, so thanks for the uh, sack time questions. Uh, once again, if you want to send us an email or a comment, balljunkpodcast.gmail.com, or you can uh, well, make sure you follow us on Twitter uh, at balljunkpodcast, and of course, uh, follow us as well on Twitter um, at dirtyfrank, three hours and dirty, and uh, at the gas man lives. And that just about wraps up our show. We're about to do the gas pedal. Are you ready to take it? A little scared. <laughs> But I'm ready. We're going to start off uh, strong with the some junior your... hockey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did I know? <laughs> <laughs> I always like to pick the you know the things that you love the most yeah. and throw them into the gas pedal. So, uh, Frankie, here we go. So, one, will Canada win the World Junior Hockey Championship? No. Another viral video of Johnny Manziel acting like a dink has surfaced. Will this kid ever pull it together? Yes. Carrie Price of the Montreal Canadiens won the Lou Marsh Award for Top Canadian Male Athlete. Good choice. Yes. Former Harlem Globetrotter Meadowlark Lemon passed away at the age of 83. Was he your favorite Globetrotter ever? <laughs> no. San Diego Chargers safety Eric Weddle was fined $10,000 for remaining on the sideline at halftime to watch his daughter dance in a program sponsored by the team's cheerleaders. Is that a fair fine? Yes. And golfer Brooke <laughs> Henderson won the Bobby Rosenfeld Award for Top Canadian Female Athlete. What is your favorite Bobby Rosenfeld moment? <laughs> There's too many. Can There's you pick too one? Many. Uh, Do you know who Bobby, Bobby Rosenfeld is? Uh, no. She, Canadian athlete. Uh, won a gold medal in the 400 meters at the 1928 Olympics and the silver in the 100 meters. Good for Bobby. Good for Bobby <laughs> Rosenfeld. That's Ball Junk episode 19. It's our New Year's Eve Ball Junk drop-in edition of the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Make sure you subscribe and follow us or download our shows from iTunes. Don't forget to rate us as well. We like to get those ratings in there. You can always get our show on uh, the Film Junk website as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in episode 20. Uh, we're going to do that when? I would guess around NBA All-Star break would be my thought. Is that before or after the Super Bowl? After. After the Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe oh, Yeah, maybe Super Bowl. Maybe Super Bowl. Maybe NBA All-Star. We'll discuss it. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget, once again, download, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. And we'll see you for episode 20. Balls! Happy New Year!